Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey, Transplaner friends! You're listening to The Hounds of Mercy vs. Mercy's Seven Evil Exes and All of Andake, an eight-part miniseries set in Andake that follows four shattered monster hunters in the wake of the Cataclysm. Jaron Cotter, the dragonborn rogue, is played by Hamna Shahid. Sitlali, the changeling cleric, is played by Quinn B. Rodriguez. Gentle, the triton monk, is played by Dare Hickman. And the GMing is by yours truly, Connie Chong. Toss us a follow on Twitter by consulting the show notes. Without further ado, here are the content warnings for this particular episode. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, blood and bloodletting, trauma, toxic relationships, flirting, romance, and references to sexual entanglements. The morning of Swan 20 breaks warm and gray across the endless horizon of Kirtal. Remnants of apocalypse linger in the sunless sky and the grief-struck mist rolling across the meadow. Horses graze on fresh spring grass, their coats shimmering with morning dew. They stand a javelin's throw away from camp. A medley of tents, bedrolls, and torches arranged in a loose periphery to ward off monsters. Amidst all this, two soldiers keep watch, draped in the studded leathers of the Kyrian light cavalry. They converse in hushed tones, their words escaping from their mouths in dense plumes of white fog. They discuss their leader, Captain Selim Shai, and the backs she stabbed to achieve her rank. They discuss their horses, the Ogumor, the pastures that turned black from the cataclysm. But most of all, they discuss their quarry, the herds of mismatched animals stampeding across the river valley which had burst into existence after the vanishing. They discuss reports of ranchers losing cattle to these herds, how their sheep and goats and horses enter sudden frenzies, breaking loose from their pens to join the stampede, heeding a silent siren song. They whisper about the Kagan they serve, Toktoa, and her grand plan for quelling the great herds. Their discussion, however, is cut short by a scream. Stumbling out of a tent, Wearing little more than a loincloth is Mercy, pursued by Selim. Selim's ponytails undone, her black hairs framing her face in this pissed off looking halo. A rage and pain burn like binary stars in the depths of her eyes as she attacks Mercy with a dagger. Uh, and Mercy dodges out of the way quick as a flash, the hard lines of muscle on her back rippling. 
You see jagged scars crisscrossing her entire body, her triceps, her thighs, her neck, her sternum, and her face is twisted in this regretful and sullen grimace. Uh, and Selim keeps going at her with this dagger and is shouting, You haven't changed at all! Selim, <clears throat> let's be reasonable. But Selim just lets out another shriek and just goes for Mercy's throat. And I think at this point, the two soldiers are like leaving because they know better than attempt fate and get involved. Uh, and that's when Gentle, Jaron, and Sitlali, the three of you are roused from slumber by the screaming of what appears to be what from first glance seems to be like an actual fight descending upon the campsite. Let's start with Gentle. How do you wake up and exit your tent? Not too dissimilar from this, actually. <laughs> um, morning, morning tea. Um, Bud's probably probably about to take uh, Bud on a little bit of a walk, just to make sure uh, he's comfortable with his surroundings. And I start to hear that, and I just go, "All right, Bud, uh, we'll we'll do a quick little walk in a second, but um, and I just like lift him up and put him like, just like yeah, like around my cloak." And, uh, yeah, let's, let's go make sure they don't kill each other. <laughs> Gentle, sipping your tea, maybe shaking your head a bit, petting, petting Bud as Bud's lifted into your baby Bjorn, <laughs> strapped to the front of your, front of your chest. Uh, you stride forward, uh, the fog from your tea, like, uh, casting a nice warm glow in front of your face. And now I think we're gonna turn to, hmm, let's turn to Sit Lolly. Sidlali, how are you roused and how do you exit a tent? I think it's fair to say that Sidlali's hungover as shit. And I think they grab the nearest garment to them that fits kind of like almost like a dress. Uh, but it's a shirt that does not belong to them. Upon hearing the commotion, they just oh fucking Christ, can nobody keep their shit together? And I think they just kind of go out uh, without a second thought. Okay, Sitlali, as you stumble out of this tent, disheveled, wrapped in this robe, would you like to describe to us what you look like in this moment? Sure. Um, so Sitlali is currently 5'9", slight gray skin, shortly shorn black hair with like a steep widow's peak and like small round eyebrows their their sclera is still black uh but their irises are a bright blue uh with two pupils in each eye and they're just covered in scars and the most noticeable are the two that bisect their lip and head down towards their chest you know that's how sit lolly always looks right um <laughs> it's normal that doesn't look like anyone else uh yeah Okay, Sitlali, as you, quote-unquote you, stumble out of this tent, we're going to pan through the flaps of this tent and see someone else in its depths, I think. Jaron, how do you wake up and exit your tent? Next to Oka, for the first time in a long time. Jaron, I think, is also similarly roused by the shouting at the same time as Sitlali and... So Lolly is out there in such a flurry that Jaron doesn't really have a moment to say anything or to do anything before they're out of there. And so they're just kind of 
like sitting up uh, in the bed with like the blanket or the bedroll with the blanket around them, just kind of staring at Oka's back as they leave again. And so I think Jerron just kind of takes a moment to sit in that. It's kind of bittersweet, you know, like it's nice, but it also sucks. What a way to start a session. Uh, <laughs> sit Lolly, as you stumble out of Jerron's tent, as Oka, uh, looking around, you and Gentle both, like your eyes fall on the commotion, which is Mercy is currently wrestling kind of reluctantly with Selim, Easily able to overpower Selim, but isn't trying to hurt her. Who's like trying to jab, like stab Mercy, like in the gut, basically with this dagger. And Mercy turns and says, "Ah, there you are, gentle." Silily, do you? And she freezes upon seeing you, Silily. And gentle and Silily, the two of you see Mercy's like eyes just go, like her one eye, right, just go wide. Uh, and this is so early that she, I don't think she has her eye patch on. Uh, and you just sort of see, like, her right eye is just marred with this, like, deep, like, fleshy pink scar. And she does not have, like, another eye. She, like, her right eye is completely missing, right? And, like, her one good eye, like, like flies wide and she freezes. Uh, Oka, how did you? Where? When did you? Sitlali is going to look down at themselves and think, ah, that's why that shirt fit. And just kind of crosses their arms over their chest. I'm not here to stay. I was just here for the night. Mercy. It's nothing personal. And start to head off for the woods. That's your play? <laughs> as, as you do that, Mercy calls out, Oka, wait, wh when did you? And in her, like, shock at seeing what she thinks is her second in command, come out of Jerron's tent in the middle of the night. Uh, Selim sees an opening and stabs Mercy through the gut. Uh, and Mercy goes, Ugh! Uh, as the, the dagger's buried into the hilt. Uh, and Selim viciously wrenches it out, uh, as, and blood begins to pour down, uh, Mercy's friend, like, staining her loincloth, right? Uh, 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 God damn it, Selim! Hmm. <sighs> there. Much better. And feeling <laughs> vindicated, Selim wipes Mercy's blood off, like, on her, um, forearm and turns and stalks away and starts, like, getting ready for the day, leaving Mercy just reeling in the middle of the camp, bleeding from her gut. I go over to Mercy. <laughs> I will spend a key point and use a hand of healing. <laughs> okay. How much do you heal? That's five hit points. All right, what does it look like? As, like, always with the Hand of Healing, it glows with a very gentle orange. Like, sort of in a warm campfire that's, like, beginning to kindle. And just, like, very calmly, it's like, you'll be okay. It just, like, puts, uh, it, or puts their hand on the wound. And, mm -hmm. uh, it just slowly begins to work. Uh, uh, God damn it. Uh, thank you, gentle. This, uh, ouch. What did you... What did you make this dagger with? Poison? Yes. As a matter of fact, yes. Hm. Uh, I like starts shrugging on van braces and stripping on boots and, and trousers and whatnot. What, uh, Oka, wait! Oka, I... Oka, stop. Can I roll to realize who this is? Yes. Sitlali, are you also trying to deceive Gentle? Yes. Okay, then it is going to be a pers investigation check versus your deception score. 
That's not fair to me. <laughs> oh no. Alright. That's that's a nine. Does a nine beat your deception, Sitlali? Mm, total or why don't why don't you also just roll deception and okay. we'll use that for, for any investigation checks for the rest of the scene? Okay, uh... 26. <laughs> I figured. Really I said, wait. No, that's not right. What's 16 plus 8? 24. 24. 24. Yeah. Gentle, it looks like it was Oka. And everything Oka said about coming in the middle of the night and leaving now seems to be, like, real, right? And, like, Mercy's reeling there. And, uh, Oka, Oka, stop! I'll keep catch up with Oka. I'm fast. I'm a monk. I can do that. Okay. Gentle, you turn after having stabilized the, the, the wound, having sutured it back up with this glowing, like, orange hue. You turn and you stride after Sitlali. How much of a head start am I able to get on Gentle? Are you trying to escape Gentle and actually... There's no woods. It's just, it's Kirtal. So it's open, rolling meadows. It's just the horizon around you. Oh my god, is there a rock somewhere? Because I think the second <laughs> rock, the second that they walked away from Mercy, it was like two steps and then into a sprint looking for cover somewhere so that they can change back. Listen, the only cover here are like tents and like really small boulders that are only big enough for you to sit on. Uh, and like, cause it's like a freaking plateau. <laughs> Like, where you are, it's the middle of, it's just like, flat horizon to your west, flat horizon to the east. Hell, hell, I'm in hell, hell. <laughs> in that case, I will try to duck behind some tents, because I don't think it, I don't know how long it takes changeling to change. I don't it think takes it's one action, one uh, action. which I'm going to roll okay. as six seconds. Okay, that's fair. Um, so I think they'll probably duck and depending on the amount of tents, do like a zigzag formation to try and make it not. They are trying to find a place to hide. Um, okay, okay. <laughs> Roll stealth against gentles. <laughs> against gentles, I guess like tracking, which I guess would be either perception or survival. Your 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 choice. Okay. Um, also, if that dagger was poisoned, I did forget. Uh, with hand of healing, I can now also end. Uh, uh, a condition. So something like poisoned, I could absolutely okay. heal when I did that. I, yeah, totally. I think you were able to draw out whatever poison was embedded in, in the jab. Uh, and now we, we all see, like, as Mercy's just standing there in the middle of, of the campsite, like, a little bit of, like, like green venom also leaks out of the wound, being leached out, pulled out by your magic, right? As well as this red blood. So Gentle and Sitlali, what do the two of you get? 21. Can you beat that? Uh. Uh, it's unfortunate that I only got a 24. <gasps> Isn't that funny how fate works out? Ooh. So why don't why don't you describe to me what happens, Gentle? I know acutely as well as everyone here that things have been tense. Things have been a lot more tense since Oka left. Since everyone left. So of course the idea is if I can get the chance to talk to Oka, then it means I can potentially help fix this for everyone. Not just for me, but Jaron's been sad. Everyone's been tense. So I just sort of go as fast as I can over there. Uh, and yeah, I just, I, I, I am single-mindedly focused on this. And Sitlali, what does Gentle see as they round a corner and you're hunkered behind this tent? I don't think they remembered to grab any other clothes. So they've got Jaron's shirt and um, 
I think Gentle rounds the corner to a slightly shorter version of Sitlalib and like the hair is not quite right. It's a little bit like one side is longer than the other. Wearing Jaron's shirt and ripping the tent nearest to them to because they are not wearing pants. And just cursing under their breath in Raven's speech. And I no, I think they're too panicked to notice you. Even with, with that passive, like I don't think they notice you. Um Sitlalib? And I think they freeze at that. Hey. Can hey. I ask a question? That depends. I'm going to be an optimist real quick and ask, do you know where Oka went? I mean, we've been looking for Oka the whole time, so I know, I know as much as anybody. Okay. So is Oka a new mask for you then? It literally freezes for a hot minute and then I think goes back to frantically trying to fashion some sort of pants but not pants out of just ripping at this tent. I I lean down and I whisper, I have some some spare clothes. I'll say I washed you. Uh, and, and I I go and do that. You leave Sitlali to their own devices. You 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 round the corner of the tent and Mercy is sort of like hobbling past you, like to see where Oka is gone. Is that where they went? Where are they? Um, this is a goddamn. Off, hey, hey, hey! First off, I don't know if I got all of the poison out, so you should relax. But also, um, I just I wasn't fast enough. What do you mean you weren't fast enough? Unless they learned how to teleport, there's no way they're not still here. I mean, we've all gotten stronger. I. Who knows? Ugh, well, it's okay. I'm resistant to poisons. Uh, just let me... And Mercy's going to try to shove past you to get to where Sit Lolly is, gentle D. Letter. Not already committed to this. Mercy, I really think you should rest. <laughs> are, you, are you kidding me, gentle? What's going on here? What, are, what aren't you telling me? What's, what's happening? Where did Oka go? Oka's not here. What do you mean Oka's not here? I saw them disappear right here, right behind Jaron's tent. They're not here. Are you trying to lie to Mercy or just like shut down the conversation and not necessarily do it through deception per se? Uh, I'm, I am legally not telling a lie. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I mean, Oka's fair. Not here. Gentle, you and I both saw clear as gall tinger. Oka exiting Jaron's tent, saying they were just here for the evening and that they were going to leave, and obviously neither of us can let that happen. So um, unless you'd like to tell me what you're hiding, I'd like to get past you. Oka isn't here, and it's not the evening, so... They're stubborn and a person of their word, and they're not here. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And Mercy's going to try to muscle past you, I think. Are you going to physically stop her? Yeah. Okay, it's a grapple check, I think. Uh, so, since you're the grappler, uh, that's going to be an athletics check versus either her athletics or acrobatics. This is not going to end well, but here we are. I'm going to tell you straight gonna... up, it's going to be athletics for her. Oh, this is the, the price I pay of being a good friend. Oh my god. That was a, that was a nat 20, so that's a 22. <laughs> 
with only a plus two? Yeah. I, I'm a dex build. <laughs> Should I let but you have it? But it's a nat 20 Connie. I know, I know, I know. Uh, okay, you know what? You know what? I, I will honor. I could say I'm a distraction. <laughs> okay, I will honor the nat 20. You. You put every ounce of your focus and your energy into stopping Mercy from seeing Sitlali transform back into herself. And Mercy is like shoving at you, but you're like getting between her. She's like, stop, get gentle, stop. This is, I don't want to hurt you, right? But you're distracting her, right? More so than actually physically stopping her. And she seems reluctant to actually like injure you or put you in harm's way to get to Oka. But her frustration- Yes, and, and and Bud, and to hurt Bud. Uh, but her frustration is mounting throughout this sequence. And I think all of the sounds of Mercy being like, gentle, get out of the way. Stop, don't, hey, stop stepping on my toes. That's, stop it. And you, Bud, shove. And she's like trying to like shove this like wolf out of the way. And that's when Jaron, you hear all of this, I think, because you're in the tent. Uh, that Sitlali is trying to hack pieces away, like pieces out of, to like fashion pants. I think Jaron comes out of the hole that Sitlali has made, um, and finds Sitlali there, like half changed, half not changed. Uh, Sitlali, what are you doing to my tent? Oh, this is perfect. And I think they just barrel past you into the tent and get on their usual outfit and armor. Uh, Sid Lolly, hold on. W where are you going? What, why are you in such a hurry? Mercy saw me. Mer Mercy saw. Yeah. Like, like as, mm -hmm. what did you say to Mercy? I said I was just here for the night and that I was leaving now. You, you, Mercy thinks Oka was here? I panicked, okay, I fucked up, I panicked. Um. How, how are we gonna explain how we found, how I, not we, how I found Oka and managed to bring them into my tent for one year? I've, I've been trying very hard to find Oka and I've made it very clear that I don't know where they are. No, I, and you don't, and I don't, no one does. Um, I, I think that Oka found, found us. Oka found, Oka found us. Oka, Oka found us and walked into your tent and, you know, the evening pursued as it did, which was, you know. <gasps> okay. Okay. Look, neither of us wants, I think, Mercy to find out about this. We, we don't have to talk about what happened yesterday. So I think I'll, sure. I can, good pretend, thing I can pretend, yeah, I can pretend. Was the, that a real yeah or a... Was what? Was it good for you? Yeah, yeah. I hope the same for you. Okay, anyway, so I'm, I'm gonna go and talk to Mercy because I think I need to explain why Oka has suddenly destroyed my tent, so. How was my impression? I mean, you looked just like them. You sounded just like them. So I guess, good, just the eyes. They're not... And Jaron kind of like walks up to Sitlali and puts his hand on Sitlali's cheek, like caressing it a little bit. There's a lot more darkness in your eyes than there was in Oka's. Yeah, well, I can't really fix that. What if we could? 
First, let's make sure Mercy um, doesn't kill us. Yeah, and I think they pull away from you. Um, yeah, right. Mercy. Okay. I don't think we should come out of the same side of the tent. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, break. I'll be uh, and, then Mer- and then Gerard just kind of walks out the back of the tent. I think Sitlali is going to play asleep. In the tent? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wait, so, hold on, Quinn, I need to ask. So then, are you suggesting that Sitlali was there the whole time? Yes, I am. Okay, okay, sure, that's something that Jerron can explain. Yep, okay. I walk out. Okay, Jerron, you walk out the back of the tent to see the moment when Mercy finally breaks free of Gentle's grasp right? And Mercy, like, push, shoves Gentle aside, right? Bud lets out an antagonistic yip, uh, and Mercy basically smacks right into you, right? As you come out, Mercy rounds the corner, and you, oh, you, like, bump into each other, and you see that she's got blood down her front. She's topless. She's just wearing a loincloth, and her loincloth and, you know, is just stained with blood and some, like, green-looking venom. But, uh, Jerron, where's Oka? Where, whoa, why whoa. was Oka in your tent last night? How, whoa, why didn't you tell up. me? Hold on, hold on. Mercy, what happened to you? Uh, Selim stabbed me. It's fine. Why did Selim stab you? I thought you resolved all of that yesterday. It's not a big... We... She came to my tent last night and we talked. She did what now? She did what now? We... It was... It's... Speaking of midnight rendezvous, No, no, Jerron. no, you don't get to turn this around on me. Hold on. You. And Jerron is, like, trying very hard to distract from the conversation. <laughs> no, hold on, you, you, don't get to, you don't get to bypass that. Selim came to your tent last night. Yes, yes, she did. We had a lot of stuff that's unspoken and unresolved between us. I thought we would put things to bed. So to speak, I'm sure we did put things to bed. We did. Why was Oka in your? When did Oka? Oka. Yeah. Huh. Why was Oka in your? When did they come? Why were they here? Where did they go? Cotton Eye Joe. Ah uh, no. <laughs> Sorry. What is a Cotton Eye Joe? You're not making any no, sense, Jerome. I didn't know that Oka was going to come into my tent if i'm so, being so they were perfectly here. honest with you mercy they just showed up okay in the middle of the night and i i didn't i didn't ask that many questions you have you understand i didn't it wasn't the first thing i wanted to do was ask all of these questions and before i knew it by the time i woke up they were gone i don't i know as much as you do <sighs> the hell are you talking about and mercy's gonna push past you and look into the hole uh, where she sees Sitlali sleeping? What? Why is Sit? Did the three of you? No, 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 no. Sitlali was asleep the whole time. They are a very deep sleeper. (laughs) Okay, okay. I need the three of you to make a group deception check. Okay? Technically, that's not a lie. Sitlali is a very deep sleeper. This is a, this is a ruse. helping you. <laughs> this whole thing is a ruse, and I need you all to make a group deception check. And I'm taking the lowest check as the as the result for, for this overall lie. I got a 17, so that's not okay. too bad. I Gentle- got a I'm furious. I'm furious the dice are helping you all. 
What about sit lolly? Listen, I mean, it's not technically a lie that... Don't tell me you got in that one. I have a plus eight to it, though. You got got in that one? You know what? Listen, listen, for fairness's sake, because I honored Gentle's nat 20, I have to honor the nat one, despite the plus eight. Good. Justice stands today. (laughs) It would have been hilarious if this lie stood for the rest of the campaign, though. (laughs) There, There is a pregnant pause. And Mercy, like, slowly, like, lowers her hand from, like, the hole, right? The tent flap, like, that's <laughs> it, Lolly carved open. Turns to face you, Jaron, and gentle in the back with Bud and the baby Bjorn. Jaron, why don't you tell Sit Lolly to get dressed? I'll meet you all by the horses. Yes, the horses, of course. And I think Jaron just, like, silently goes back into the tent from the way that they came. Yes, it, Lolly, I don't think that worked. <laughs> what part of any of that was unbelievable? Probably the part about you being here. Why didn't you just lie and say we had a threesome? <laughs> That'd be more believable, probably. Is that, is that better? Is that really better? Honestly, she probably wouldn't have asked as many questions. Okay, well, you know what? What's what's done is done, so maybe we should all just You're the one who said Oka when I said when I said who do you want me to be? So I mean, like, is it really it's not entirely my fault. You asked the question. Who asked that question? I have never been asked that question before. Well you sure did answer it pretty quickly. If you didn't want the answer, why did you ask me, Sid Lolly? Things if I were going to happen regardless. What? 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 Think things were gonna happen regardless. Um, I think you should get dressed. Not until you answer my question. Yes. There's a question mark at the end of that answer. Yes. Okay. Um. And they just start getting dressed. I think Jaron takes their pack and just exits the tent very awkwardly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I think, you know, the next couple hours pass, because this is like early morning, with the three of you getting dressed, you know, eating the breakfast that the other Kyrian, like, soldiers are cooking up over, like, this open fire, uh, maybe tearing down your tents, like, loading up the horses on the Kyrian soldier side, right? Getting dressed, freshening up, brushing your teeth, fixing your hair. And amidst all of this, I think, we find Jaron. With your pack, having left your own tent, maybe getting ready in your own little corner of the campsite, you're rifling through your pack when I think you find something that wasn't there before. What is it? I want you to tell me, where do you find this object amongst your things? Probably there's a section of Duran's pack where they keep kind of little mementos and like like memories of home, essentially, and like of all the different places they've been, of the people they've met, that kind of thing. Just like little things here and there. Um, there's maybe some like threads, maybe like an old snack that like is still is in its like uh, like in its wrapping uh, that hasn't quite been opened. 
the things like that. So I think there's maybe like a section of that. So it's not a part of their pack that they go to often. Uh, it's usually, you know, a section that they open when they're maybe like wanting to reminisce or feeling kind of nostalgic or want to add something to that part. So yeah, maybe like a little pocket somewhere. Okay, I think you're very like frazzled from everything that's been going on. So maybe your your movements are automatic as you're like checking everything and like putting things back in. When you feel something that wasn't in your memory pocket before, uh, it's kind of sticking out of it actually at like an odd angle, like the corner of what appears to be some sort of um, box, maybe. I will pick up the box and examine it. It is a cigarette box. Uh, so it's not made of wood or anything, but rather of like reinforced paper. Uh, and it's a kind of cigarette box that Oka would smoke all the time. And it's rather crumpled on, on the sides and looks well-worn. Does anybody else on the hounds smoke? No. Well, not this kind. Does there appear to be anything odd about this box? It's not new. It's like used. Like the seal is broken and it's slightly open. I will open it and look inside. You pop open the top of the cigarette pack, and inside you see only a single cigarette. And also rolled up as neatly as the cigarette itself is a note right next to the cigarette. Duran is going to carefully take the note out of the box and, like, unfurl it to read what's written on it. The first thing you notice as you pull out this, like, crumpled piece of, like, kind of yellowed parchment is that it's stained with blood. It looks to be fairly fresh. It's, it's not like years and years old, maybe only like a couple couple weeks to a, a month or two old at this point. And when you unfurl it, in Oka's handwriting are the words coming back for this, signed O with a slash through it. I think Jerron finds this note and starts like turning it over, trying to see like, is there something written on the back or? Nope, it's just the blood. It's just, and there's uh... nothing else? inside the box like no secret compartment no other notes no you can make an investigation check on the secret gift that apparently oka slipped you while you didn't notice let's do that 21 there's nothing else no hidden compartment no like little thing at the bottom of the box a 21 investigation check tells you it's just a cigarette it's just the blood and it's just the message I think Jaron, maybe he's sitting like by the fire at this point, like sort of took a squat to go through his pack. He sits there reading the note over and over again, coming back for this, coming back for this, coming back for this. That kind of repeats in their head as like this mantra. And it really hammers home that Oka did not come back for this. Like, when was this note written? When did they leave this for me? Was it, presumably it was when the first time they left, right? When, before the cataclysm happened, when they promised that they would come back. Probably then, right? But they didn't come back. And I think Jaron starts to get a little angry and like considers throwing all of this just into the fire in front of him. And like has maybe like has like rolled up the note, stuffed it back in the box, and is like about to do that, and then he can't, and they're just kind of, ugh, and like just sitting there, kind of like fumbling with it in their hand, just thinking about coming back for this, coming back for what, when, and how is it also stacking up with 
the interaction you just had with Sitlali last night and this morning? I think it makes Jaron feel embarrassed, honestly. Like, here is Jaron, being who they are, waiting for Oka to come back, holding on to this promise that they made, that they would come back, that this time, it was just for a little while, it was not like that, in their words, it's not like that, and they would come back. They didn't leave because they wanted to leave me, they left because they had to, right? Right? And all of this time, John has been holding on to that and trying to find Oka so desperately, but maybe not. Maybe Oka was lying the whole time. Maybe they changed their mind. Maybe they didn't actually care about Jaron the way that he thought that they did. And so the fact that he told Sitlali to be Oka last night, that feels embarrassing. And also that hurts Sitlali probably. And so I think Jaron is like guilty and embarrassed all at the same time. Yikes. Okay. Uh, you're sitting there considering this cigarette, this note, this blood, and the rest of the camp gets ready. They pack up. They start tearing down the tents, start getting ready for the, the backup, the supplies to come, the rest of the cavalry to come in, so to speak. And I think, I think they do. I think the three of you, uh, Mercy included, soon hear and feel the earth rumble under your feet uh, as galloping hooves approach from the east. Uh, you see a little cloud getting kicked up in the distance uh, and a convoy of maybe 10 or 15 uh, Kyrian soldiers on horseback start like approaching the campsite and you're able to see them from like at least three miles out because like the horizon is so flat and there is like no mountains no hills no valleys to obstruct your view uh, and soon like the neighing of horses the pounding of hooves the smell of earth and dust getting kicked into the air suffuses your nostrils as these 10 or 15 riders like slow down as they approach the campsite and they start to encircle the camp and you see Strapped to some horses' backs are just like, they're just like pack horses, right? They've got like like tents, they've got like uh, supplies, they've got provisions. Everything that your group was promised in exchange for telling Selim Shai what you did about Paragons coming back. And at this point, Selim Shai has, is completely back, you know, in, in her furs and in her studded leather armor. She's back on top of like one of her horses and Mercy's completely dressed again. She's got like her tunic on, her leather armor, right? Her eye patches on. Uh, she's cleaned the blood off of her body. She looks like regular old Mercy. She's got her great sword strapped to her back and a series of javelins also strapped, uh, strapped to her back and her waist. Uh, and it's like this that uh, you you see and you hear these soldiers like enter. They start to like dismount from their horses and like sort of toss you like the, your group sort of like unceremoniously like various tents to replace your messed up and now pants cut out tents uh, in terms of Silali. Um and the other supplies that have broken, such as, let's say, like, cook's utensils, um, any, like, parchments that might have, like, burned up from being thrown into the fire by this, like, galloping herd last night, etc., etc., etc. As you're accepting the provisions uh, and, like, scrolls and, and supplies, etc., Mercy is going to turn to one of the people who's handing you all this stuff and say in common, So, any news, anything else you can tell us? Or is it just supplies? And this person turns and sort of addresses Mercy, but also like cocks like uh, her bearded face uh, and sort of like addresses the rest of you as well. Uh, yeah, a lot of things have been happening. 
I hear from Captain Shy that the four of you are just traveling through Kirtal. Where are you headed? Uh, east, toward the chasm. The chasm! Not a lot of family out in the chasm. Why the chasm? None of your business. All right, all right. I was just making conversation. I was just asking. You know, there's been a lot of hubbub about Dabathati. Riots, rages happening. Riots? Rages? What do you mean? Oh, no big deal now anymore. A group of heroes stopped it all. Haven't you heard? Here's their faces. Uh, and they pull down a flyer uh, from one of the horses and they hand it to Mercy. And all of you see um, an artist's rendering of, written in common, the heroes of Dabathati. There are four people in this picture. One of them is a pigeon-like Aarakocra man who looks really dirty. Even the artist's rendering like made him look real dirty and oil-stained, right? And then a, um, uh, uh, an elven woman. Uh, with these like long ears and this kind of like charismatic smile dressed in this vest uh, with this tie on. And you also see a gigantic, she's like huge, even bigger than Mercy probably, uh, half-orc woman with dark skin uh, and these like braids done up in like a bun that go down her back. And she's got this big ax slung across her shoulders. And then the very corner of this picture, the four of you see Oka and Mercy freezes upon receiving this flyer. Mercy? Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, gentle? I don't suppose that's a uh, different uh, a branch of the Hounds of Mercy? No. <laughs> no, that's not. Uh, thank you for this news. <clears throat> That'll be all. And Mercy starts like, she crumples up this flyer and stuffs it into her pocket. That's, that's Oka. There, there's no way that's anyone else. That is Oka. Uh, <laughs> well, what would you know about what is really Oka? Ignoring that, uh, we have to go to Dabathati. We have to. <laughs> no, we're headed to the Euclid for reasons of our own, Jaron. We're going where the water tells us to go. But we know now where Oka is. Surely we could make some sort of detour, a stop just to see... Dabathati is past the chasm on the other side of the godspine. You were awfully, awfully interested in speaking to Oka this morning when you thought that they were here. We could go and talk to them for real. When I thought that they were here, but obviously they were not. No. They weren't. That's true. And I think uh, Jaron just kind of takes a step back and like remembers the note and the cigarette box and the night with Sitlali and still marinating in the feelings of embarrassment and guilt. Kind of like reels it back and realizes Oka chose what they, like they made their decision. They chose to leave. They chose not to contact any of us. They chose not to come back. Maybe we should just let them. Gentle said Lolly, how are the two of you responding to all of this? I mean, I'd still like to hear them out. We owe them that much, especially after everything that happened today. Maybe it would be healthier for us to talk to them and address our feelings. Kind of look down for a little bit and hope maybe Sit Lolly or someone will 
back me up. <laughs> Is it Molly? Do you have an opinion? I'm just, you're very quiet. Oh no. Oh, this is bad energy. Um, Mercy, why don't we want to go potentially see Oka? Because they've made their choice. I feel like a broken record. They left. They're not coming back. We go where the water takes us. When's the time you did the ritual? Couple days ago. Why? Maybe a week. Do it again. Okay. And Mercy sort of looks at these, you know, cavalry folk who are quirking their heads very curiously as you're talking. And she jerks her head so you you go to, like, a secluded area and, like, do the ritual in private, right? Uh, so while, like, amidst all the hubbub of tents getting taken down, of, of Captain Shy meeting up with this, like, uh, backup a group of, of riders, you hunker down behind, like, a, uh, a larger boulder, of all boulders considered. And Mercy takes out this leaf that she's been carrying with her this entire time. Uh, she places it very gently, like, flat on, like, this, like, this grass. She takes out this vial of, like, glowing water from Unme, uh, from the Umaori Lake. She uncorks it, and she very gently and carefully, with more care than you've seen her handle anything else in your life, probably, uh, dribbles a drop of, of water onto the leaf and quickly corks it back up. And all of you, like, lean over it and, like, stare at the water for a minute, and then the water sort of starts quivering and jiggling, and then it starts to move. It turns to point west toward the Euclid, and then it pauses and then moves ever so slightly a little bit farther to the south, which is different from how it's moved in past weeks. Mercy stares down at this water droplet, and all of you stare down at it at it as well. And I think the realization sinks in to the group in that moment that the water is pointing toward Dabathati. Oh, fuck. Drawn, gentle, and Sitlali. The journey to Dabathati is lengthy and arduous. Soon, the long, rolling fields of Kirtal give way to the Euclid Chasm. A massive wound in the flesh of Andake, a canyon yawning from the gloomy depths of the godspine all the way up to the frost-bitten banks of Morose. In an uncharacteristic gesture, Mercy makes your party stop right at the jagged edge of the chasm. The Euclid here is so wide that you can't see the other side, it's just the gray light of the sunless sky above you, a vast expanse of dead grass behind you, and a gaping gulf in front of you, sucking all light into its bottomless depth. If you peer over the edge, you'll see several hundred feet plunging down of ragged rock, narrow landings, and spiny bushes until the darkness takes over. A dense fog obscures its distant shore, giving you the impression that you've reached the end of the world, where life stops rendering and everything plummets into shadow, space, light, even time itself. And here, at the edge of the world, is where Mercy kneels. She pulls out incense, she pulls out a trophy from a monster hunt, and a handful of teeth. 
She sets these offerings against this frost-packed earth and whispers a prayer. And then she moves on. Your party keeps traveling. And I think when you set up camp that night on the edge of the Euclid chasm, following its curvature south toward the Godspine, and then eventually toward the Heavenly Road, which you'll take all the way into Dabathati, I think we find our party at a moment of rest in camp. Specifically, I think we find ourselves in the, in the flickering flames uh, of this fire pit that's been erected with stones marking its perimeter. On one side of the fire is Mercy, examining a blade in her hand. And sitting next to Mercy is Drawn. If I may, instead of sitting next to Mercy, can I walk mm-hmm. up to her? Yes, absolutely. So I'm- I'm thinking that Jaron shows up with two bottles of alcohol in one hand, kind of like precariously held by the neck, and a javelin in the other. Walks uh, over to Mercy. Her emotional support javelins. <laughs> they walk over to Mercy, place the javelin at her feet, and say, a peace offering. <laughs> Did you make this? It's shitty. Thanks. Well, I don't have as much practice as you. Obviously. Jaron then like sits down next to her and like hands her the other bottle. Yeah, she takes the javelin, uh, takes the bottle, and I'm assuming can it be like a bottle of beer or something? Yeah. Maybe that you picked yeah. up from a trader. And she like breaks it open, right? Uh she makes a fist and breaks it open on her own fist. <laughs> the top of this bottle. And it starts fizzing up and she she drinks it and like the alcoholic foam is like like dribbles down her front a little bit. <sighs> she like wipes her mouth and sets the bottle back down. <sighs> Ever been out here before, Jaron? Out to the Euclid? I can't say I've had the pleasure. All sorts of monsters in its shadows, Jaron. All sorts of beasts that have never seen the light of day. Has it always been like this, even before the Cataclysm? <laughs> before the Cataclysm? Before Andake was Andake? You seem to know a lot about this area. Ah. How old are you again, Marcy? Should never ask a woman her age, Jaron. I'm 49. You could have fooled me. How old did you think I was? Answer correctly. I was thinking maybe like 238, somewhere around that ballpark. All right, all right, you cheeky bastard. <laughs> Look. Truth is, I was here to say I'm sorry. (laughs) You? Apologize to me? (laughs) I guess the apocalypse really is here. Why? Well, and I think Jaron kind of like leans back a little bit, takes a big swig of their drink. You were right about a lot of things, and you'll never hear me say this ever again, so... You best relish it now while you can, but I've been chasing after something that I shouldn't be. (laughs) Finally coming to terms with Oka, huh? I guess we can call it that. I mean, seems like they came to terms with a lot of things a long time ago and never told me about it. Yeah, they uh, have a penchant for doing that, I think. Look, we've all got sordid pasts. We've all got backstories that are sad and tragic and full of grief and violence. 
Oka has a special way of coming out on the other side feeling like the main character. Something tells me that I'm not the only one that they've hurt here. <laughs> hurt? I'm not hurt. I'm just... disappointed. Alright there, Mom. You can admit that you're hurt, Mercy. It's fine. I don't... I don't <laughs> there, care. There's nothing to admit, and I'm not a mom. I refuse to have children. That's saying a lot, given that you started this band. I know. Are you saying you see me as a mother figure? I don't, but I know that you sometimes see us like children. Well, there's a difference between seeing you as children and seeing you as my children. Little parasites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mercy, alright. All I'm saying is you make an awful mother. <laughs> You're telling me. Ugh. No, I'd never want to be a mother. The expectations you have to have for your kids, the inevitable disappointment, all the arguments, cleaning their shitty butts, no thanks. Listen, you know, I want to argue with you, but I can't. I know. What argument is there to be had? Children suck. <laughs> I'd know I was a kid once. I sucked. Listen, Jaron. You're too good for Oka. You deserve someone better. Someone who's there for you. Someone who understands you. Someone who won't leave you. Yeah, I don't... I don't know if I believe that, but... I do know that chasing after them isn't worth it. So, alright. Wherever you want to go, I'll follow. <laughs> the hounds are my family. I'll drink to that. You clink bottles, and you drink. On that motion, we're going to transition uh, to a next couple of nights of travel. We see, you know, the hounds trekking south along this, like, rugged mouth of the Euclid. Uh, we see just, like, the vistas, like, the sunless light rising and falling and rising and falling as we see, like, see, like the four silhouettes of our heroes, like, backlit against this sunless dawn and the sun and the moon. There are, there's never been moons. I always mess up on that. And the starless dusk of Endake. You continue to walk, you continue to walk uh, until we reach another night. Another camp is erected, another fire struck, another evening where I think Mercy, as always, is sitting by the fire. But this time, it's not Jaron who approaches. It's gentle. Uh, of course I have uh, Bud and my little baby Bjorn. Uh, probably some tea. Uh, I have a second mug, just in case. Uh, hi. Is it okay if I sit over here, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, pop a squat. People love sitting next to me and talking about their feelings, I guess. Fair enough. Uh, then I suppose I will, I will do the same. And I sit down. And I offer, uh, I offer her a cup of tea as well. Um, would you like some? Yeah, sure, why not? She takes the cup, uh, pulls out a flask of brandy, and pours it into the tea. <laughs> uh, ruining it, ruining the palate uh, of it, and she tucks the flask back in and starts sipping her tea. Mm. I really need to adjust for your um, drinking preferences. Yeah, next time just give me maybe a third of a cup of tea. I, fair enough. I want to say I'm sorry first off. I 
Sorry. Is the world upside down or is everyone apologizing to me this week? Why are you sorry? To be fair, you get mad at me for apologizing all the time. But um, I'm sorry for getting in your way with the whole everything that happens. I didn't want to stop you, but I I didn't want you to get mad. Uh, it's, it's fine. Gentle, never apologize for doing what you think is right, even though it sometimes really freaking annoys me and pisses me off. Listen, you were just doing what you thought would help mend the situation. I don't blame you. Yeah, they have the same, like fear in their eyes that you did when you thought Unmeg was going to get hurt really badly. And I, I just knew I had to help. There, it was, you know, I'm. that's what I do. I wanted to ask a question. If that, hopefully this isn't going to come across as too personal or an attack. Are you sure? There are babies in our vicinity. And she indicates Bud. Oh, Bud's, uh, Bud's great. Uh, Bud and I, you know, sort of discussed uh, emotionality, a uh, decent amount. Arf! Which you know, uh, gentle, means I'm emotionally vulnerable and open. You sure do, Buck. You sure are. Oh my. Uh, do you ever feel lonely, Mercy? <laughs> do I ever feel lonely? What kind of a question is that? Do you? I think Mercy actually falls silent for a minute. And sips at her tea and then sets it back down and says, Yeah, I do. Do you? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm used to being alone a lot, but uh, this is, I don't know, recently I felt a new kind of lonely, which is lonely around other people uh, a lot. I think everything's been really tense. And I, I wish I could help more, but I, I just don't know what to do. But everyone mm. just feels closed up in like little boxes. And I can't, I, I can't, I can't help. Hey, gentle, you don't, you don't always have to help other people all the time. Sometimes you just need to help yourself. Look after your own. Mm. I, I mean, I'm looking after me and Bud, of course, and but I mean, you you are all my family too, and when you are all closed up, I feel closed up too because I can't, like, I can't talk about my feelings for a while. I've never really been, I'm not good at like talking through this as much, but like, I I feel good when I know my my family's feeling good. <laughs> so I've been feeling really bad. You know, gentle, it's not the first time the thought has crossed my mind that we really don't deserve you. Listen, this is a hard time for everyone. I know how it feels to be lonely when you're with someone. For them to be trapped in their own thoughts, their own feelings, their own delusions of grandeur, or what they think they want their life to be, and it's something that you're not a part of. I know how that feels. It's not a great feeling, but you know how I deal with it? I don't look at it as loneliness. I look at it as freedom. At the end of the day, when you die, when the Raven Queen claims your soul, even if you're surrounded by family, 
that journey is when you have to take a load. So the sooner you get being used to this feeling of being by yourself, the better off you are, I think. It's just the um, two of us, gentle. You don't have to raise your hand. It's force of habit. Um, I with with I, that I, that feels not not healthy, actually. Um, <laughs> if you're gonna be spending, if the last part it's alone, then why wouldn't you fill everything up with that before the alone part, with with friends and family and people, love and like mercy? You've had so many people who. It's like you and love you and want to know you and why do you run away from that? I can't get that at all and Do you see any of my, my lovers with everyone. me right now? No, but it seems like if you're always ready to lose your heart, that doesn't help them stay. <laughs> well, it sure makes it easier when they leave. Is that why you don't want Oka to come back? What I want about Oka is irrelevant. How I feel about them doesn't control anything. I could want them to come back. I could scream and beg and plead and cry every night. They're still not going to come back. You could admit you want that. That might at least help <laughs> you feel a little bit better. What? Admitting that I'm a sorry sack of shit will make me feel better about being a sorry sack of shit? I care about my friends, and I don't think that makes me... Uh, I'm not gonna repeat those words. <laughs> no, no, no. That doesn't make you a sorry sack of shit, gentle. But I know who I am. I know what I am. I know what I'm capable of. And it's not someone who's soft and kind and cares about other people and how they're feeling like you do and that's who you are that's what makes us different and that's fine maybe that's why it's harder for you to feel lonely than it is for me i want to make something a little a little clear i i it's not that i don't know how to hurt and beat in heart i i can do it in equal measure and i think i like shape like Essentially, with channel enough key to have the green hand of harm and the orange hand of healing, I is as easily as I could have take as I took the poison out of you. I could have put more in. I could choose to be mean and hurt people every day, but I I don't like that. I don't want that, and I'm very lonely. I've been alone most of my life. Duran was the only person who really liked or talked to me for so long. And you, you have you fill your life with so many people who who like you and you run away from that and it it makes me a little upset and frustrated because they clearly still want to know you in some way. And I, I think maybe you could address that in a way that doesn't involve pretending they don't exist when you can't look at them. Ha <laughs> Wow. You know, I, I gotta hand it to you, Gentle. It's impressive that you come to me with problems, but you end up trying to fix mine. I think that's a testament to just how open your heart is. You know, I, 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 I worry for you too, Gentle. I worry that these doors of your heart that you keep open all the time, 
What do you let in? What gets out? I think I just sort of sit with that kind of question for a little bit, which is pretty uncharacteristic for gentle. They normally at least can respond with something. They're like, I don't know. I just, I just want our friends to be okay. I just want all of us to just like each other. And I, I want people to smile more and be happier again. And I, I don't know. And I just sort of. And Mercy gives you like, I think in response, she gives you this really big force, like orcish grin. As I make you feel better, gentle. A little bit. Bud shrinks away and whimpers <laughs> as she like no, looks. No, no. Loom's word. <laughs> ah, she's cheer just up, like gentle, that. Cheer it's up. okay. It's she's just like that. You're good. She sits back on like this rock she's perched on, lets out this big laugh, and thumps you kind of hard on the back and says, "Ah, <laughs> oh, gods, yeah, you know the world's gone to the dogs when you come to me for help, when you come to me for insight or some sort of emotional regulation. Listen, gentle, you're a great person. Fuck anyone who thinks otherwise. You know, when we get to Dabathati, maybe I'll help you get laid. Maybe that'll help. Mm. I know mm. a couple of great places where you can meet some great people. Like, I'm not, I'm not a get, mm, no, no, I, I'd rather, it should be healthier. Um, also, mm, mm, no, I'm good. I think on that, uh, Mercy laughs, right? And like the embers die down in the campfire, right? And I think that scene sort of like fades out from that. And we see another like montage as after like the lights come down, lights coming back up of travel, right? Following the Euclid, heading south toward the Godspine, uh, sunless sky getting bright and then getting dark and then getting bright and then getting dark again until we find, I think, another evening where I think we see Sitlali. What are you up to when Gentle approaches? I think, I imagine it's quite late as it tends to be with Sitlali in particular. And I think it's probably their watch and they're probably not doing a very good job at it. Uh, and just kind of shuffling her cards absently in thought and like vaguely keeping an eye on things. But, you know. <clears throat> oh, hey. Uh, you. Hi. Um, Bud's uh, sleep and I can't really. So is it okay if I hang out for a little bit? Yeah, totally. And I think I sit down near... And I think I do have some tea, as, as always, to offer. Would Would you like some? Is it spiked? No, of course not. Then no, thank you. Fair enough. I'll leave it just within arm's reach for both of us, just in case. How are you doing? Fine, why? It feels like a lot happened with there. And... I don't know. I don't. How are you? Uh, I, I mean, I did talk to Mercy, so I feel a little better, but also... Wait, what? Not about that in particular. No, like, you feel better after talking to Mercy? A little? I, Mercy, Mercy's Mercy, you know, but sometimes her tough love really works on me. Huh. But, Wild. Yeah, I mean, I see the best out of everyone, the brightest out of everyone, Mercy included. She is Mercy, but she cares. But 
I more importantly, I want to see how you're doing. Are you okay? Did you want to be Oka? I think they set their cards down on like the log or whatever next to them and just kind of sit back and stare up at the ugly, empty sky. Yes and no. Everybody gives a fuck about Oka. Everybody wants to know where the fuck Oka is. Oka this, Oka that, that's all you fucking hear. Mercy can't name a fucking second because they're not over Oka. Jerron can't move on because they're not over Oka. Nobody's over Oka. I, I, I understand that. Gentle, nobody would give a shit if I left. I would. You'd get over it, though. What makes you think that? You're the most well-adjusted person here. Am I? Probably. I don't know. I, I don't know if that's a safe way to compare things. Because I think we're all hurt in our own ways. I think you all are just better at showing it. No offense. None taken, I guess. There is clearly some taken. I understand the feeling about Oka, but if any of you, I think, left without saying goodbye, I would be as concerned and put as much effort as I as I am for Oka. Uh, in fact, I've, I mean, I've been around you longer now. It's You are my friend, and you're, you're someone I care about, and you're someone I, I look up to and I'm jealous of. Jealous. Yeah, you can heal people with magic. <laughs> I, I can't heal people the way you can, and I'm jealous of you. I can say that. People, you shouldn't like be you more. jealous of me. Why not? Gentle, you don't know what I had to do to get this. That's fair, but I, I don't. I feel like a lot of people think that I, I don't have as much faith in you all as I do. I trust you all so much. I, I, all of you have my entire heart because you're people I care about. I mean, that's why I helped you. Like, when, when you rounded that corner and I saw the fear in your eyes and like you looked scared, and I, I, I wasn't gonna just. I don't like standing up to mercy, but I did for you because you're my friend. You shouldn't have. I was gonna. That's that was. So fucking stupid of me on so many levels, I cannot physically comprehend it. It wasn't the best move. It feels like it did more harm than good. Yeah, so why are you jealous of me when I just fuck up like that constantly? I mean, I don't think you do that all the time. But also, you're just, I, I don't, I think you're cool and you're able to talk to people and you're a lot better at people than me and. I'm really bad at people and I feel alone a lot and when I talk like you you're so good at this I... I'm good at lying gentle I'm good at faking it I'm good at pretending that I'm interested I'm good at pretending that I am whatever you want me to be are you interested in Jerome? it doesn't matter because they're interested in Oka and only Oka it would seem you don't have to do that then. Do what? At the very least, Bud and I love you for who you are. And that's enough. There's so much you don't know about me. 
and you'll tell me when you're ready. Will I? I don't know. That's part of the mask. I let mine up for you. Maybe one day you'll let yours up for me, and if you don't, I understand, but every day I hope you will. Why? Because you're my friend. How can you be friends with someone you don't really know? I can just feel it in my gut. Sometimes I don't have to know things. I can just trust you. You didn't tell that till you get stabbed in the back. Okay, I will. Sitlali just picks up their cards again and shuffles them with a new veracity. Okay. As Sitlali, you're like shuffling your cards, right? Uh, We're going to like zoom in on like your thumbs going over like the edges of your tarot, right? And as we zoom out, we see that it's still you shuffling cards, but several days have passed, several nights. And instead of being sort of crouched down where you were before, I think you're in a different part of the campsite and the terrain around you has changed, has shifted. It's become more rugged, more mountainous, more hilly, as opposed to like the wide, flat, open plateaus of uh, southwestern Kirtal. And I think we find you sat around this campfire and Mercy approaches. Uh, She approaches and sort of sits down and starts like, I think she's like clipping her nails. She sits down, she like like pops her boots off, pulls down her socks and starts clipping her nails, right? Like just like clipping it into the fire, right? And like the loud like clip, clip, clip noises of the clipper going and like her, her toenails like pinging off of her off of her toes and shooting into the fire. I think eventually maybe like draw a little bit of your ire and some of your attention. Hey, hope I'm not disturbing you. You want to be careful not to leave anything behind when you do that. What are you talking about? My nails are biodegradable. Plenty of magic can be used to cry on and do other sorts of things. Is that what you're going to do? You're going to take this this chunk of my big toe and use it to spy on me in my tent? hmm? And she like holds up this chunk of toenail and starts like waving it in your face. No, I think my eyes are big enough to just see you. (laughs) I bet they are. She throws it into the flames. Better safe than sorry. So, Jeron, hmm? What about him? Don't make me ask, Sitlali. Don't make me say the words. What about him? Did you like it? I mean, I gotta know what all the rage is about if Oka and now you, and you as Oka. (laughs) Hey, 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 Sitlali. Hey, 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 I'm just joking. Seriously. How are you holding up? They don't throw their cards because they're nice cards, but they put their cards down firmly. I was like, they throw them down, and I'm like, wait, no, there's a fire. Um, <laughs> they, put, they set their cards down firmly. I'm fine. How are you? Well, I wasn't the one in his tent. Are you really so fine? Can... Does it matter one way or the other? Yes. Yes, it does. Because you're a cleric. And if you're compromised because of all this bullshit and you mess up on the field. So because of work, I have to know if you're fine. For work, I'm fine. Really? Is it the same kind of I'm fine as as she makes like a vague spiraling motion with her finger and then points it uh, at your chest in the quote unquote direction of your soul? I'm fine, Mercy. Although, you can help me out with something. Oh boy, I don't like that tone of voice. That's the tone of voice you get when you've got an idea in your head. What is it? Which X should we be prepping for? 
three heads. You don't have to worry about any of that, okay? You've said that with every single one. I've got my own shit going on and I know how to figure it out. Every time we've met one of my exes, I've figured it out. We've figured it out. Okay, maybe with some exception of Jikyat, okay? But she was a literal monster shapeshifter, okay? But I still would have figured it out, even if you hadn't come down there and quote-unquote rescued me. I have a question. Ugh, shoot. So you have exes in, I'm assuming, every nation? I wouldn't say every nation. How do you avoid getting attached? Uh, the answer is pretty simple. You leave before you get hurt. And what if you can't leave? Then you make them leave. And what if they can't leave? Are we talking about like a joined at birth situation here? What do you mean they can't leave? Let's say that, um... You are, you have a contract and you're on the same job for an indefinite period of time. And you, um, you know, they call the other people family and so do you maybe. And, um, you need to not, uh, be attached and you need to not have the feelings that you're feeling about them. How do you bury those feelings, Mercy? Because you're really good at it. So, like, tell me. That's me, Connie, laughing. Um, Mercy Mercy looks at you uh, with a really, actually a really serious look on her face. And she says, there are three ways to bury that shit deep down. Booze, brawls, and babes. Get drunk, go fight something, fuck someone else. It's never failed for me. Sit Lolly sits back and thinks about that for a second. I've got your booze right here. And she pulls out one of the, uh, I think, beers that Jerron actually <laughs> like had brought, sets it down in front of you. I've got your bra right here if you want it. Uh, she like rolls up her sleeves. I don't They're... think it'd be a fair fight. No, no, but I'd hold back for you. I've got no, your babe right here too if you want. Really? I'm kidding. I'm kidding, said Lolly. Are you sure? Are you flirting with her? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, hold on. I need to make a fortune check. How old are you, said Lolly, out of character? 28. Oh, okay. Uh, then Mercy, Mercy looks at you and says, ha, 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 you're a little too young for me. You're a little too old for me, but who's counting? She looks at you, and I, th- I think, I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna fade. I think we're gonna cut away from that scene. I think it's gonna fade out. It's gonna be left ambiguous. It's gonna fit. The the fire, <laughs> fire's gonna die down. Uh, the fire's gonna die down. And when the light comes back up, we find the four of you. Continuing to travel south, right? Following this irregular curvature of the Euclid chasm until you reach the Godspine. 
where you see mountains punching upward out of the earth. They're craggy peaks cloaked in this in these thick plumes of mist. I'm still reeling, sorry. Um, and you see that spring has been very kind to the godspine. Verdant patches of forest pockmark the sides and the peaks of this mountain range, and your journey through its depths really isn't as terrible as it could have been. And after a week in the wilderness, you emerge in the scrublands of Talmud. Thick, dry grass colors the reddened earth as your party treks northwest along the heavenly road. The margins of your journey are populated by these beautifully painted, colorful, cone-shaped dwellings sculpted from sun-dried earth. You pass refugees and mercenaries on the road, those displaced by the vanishing and those taking advantage of it. And you wonder where you fit in in all of that. And finally, you reach Dabathati. The capital of the Republic of Talmud is a mountain stronghold built into the southern side of the Godspine. Looming well over 8,000 feet above sea level, the only way into Dabathati is through one of the dozens of rope bridges stretching up and over the vast Kagunya Canyon. The bridges are packed to the gills with travelers and immigrants, but thanks to Mercy's swift maneuvering, your party manages to reach the other side of the canyon before nightfall. You walk through one of Dabathati's three grand entrances, each one resembling the open mouth of a different head of Udabathi, the god of mountains and war. You stride through the orcish mouth of Suraksha, the head of protection, and you enter the capital proper where uh, the sound of the roar of waterfalls, the clamoring of market squares, the braying of animals greets you. The cataclysm has left its indelible mark on Dabathati as well as everywhere else. You stride past encampments of hungry, unhoused people, past roped off craters and broken, shattered buildings, past folks draped in these weird green robes, standing on boxes, preaching fervently to crowds that are, you know, of like these like dirty, poor, disparaged folk, desperate for hope. Mercy leads your party past all of this until you reach the very back of the city the Ujval Mines. Throughout this entire sequence, I think Mercy has promised the three of you that she knows someone in Dabathati who has, and you know, who might be able to, you know, shed some light about Sam's Paragon, you know, etc, etc. She knows people, you're gonna talk to them, right? She's got a lead, but she's been very shady about who the lead is. Um, and when you reach the Ujval Mines, you see hundreds and hundreds of tunnels drilled into the rock. There's like a massive rock face that extends all the way up to the roof of Dabathati, which is a couple hundred feet up into the air. Uh, and these hundreds of tunnels are buttressed by a complex system of ropes, pulleys, platforms, chutes, ladders, etc. Uh, and you see at ground level the workers' encampment sprawling outward, comprised of patchwork tents, wooden shacks, open fire pits, etc. You see miners lounging around, playing cards, cooking dinner, smoking, shooting the shit. And Mercy leads your party through this camp, ignoring the open stairs from miners all around you. And she stops in front of one of many wooden shacks, right? Maybe big, maybe big enough to fit like 10 people in it. And she bangs on the door. Robbie, open up, I know you're in there. And there's a beat. And then the door swings open 
and you all see maybe five feet tall, an orca woman. She's orca folk. Uh, she's black and white, and she wears a little apron in front of like a big belly, and she's got these big black eyes on either side of her face, and the eyes like blink in surprise. And then her mouth cracks open with these like orca-like teeth and like a big smile. And she says, Mercy? Oh, listen, I can explain what- Mercy! And then this huge orca woman scoops Mercy up with both fins, right? Even though Mercy's much taller than her, but she scoops her up because she's really buff, actually, this orca woman. And she's like crushing Mercy in this massive bear hug. And as Mercy's like, oh, uh, come on, hey, hey, struggling in her grasp. We're gonna pan over to the three of you standing behind her. What do you do? Hi. Oh, hello there. Oh, you must be the new Hounds of Mercy. What? Ugh, Mama Fish, that never gets old. Oh, it's so nice to meet you. Uh, who might you be? I'm Mama Fish. Hi. I'm Jaron, and Jaron kind of like puts out their hand to shake uh, Mama Fishes. Did you mention New Hounds of Mercy? So you met an older version of the band? Oh, nice to meet you, nice to meet you! And Mama Fish clasps both fins on either side of your hand. Uh, the fins are kind of wet. She like shakes you very, very hard. Very nice to meet you. Why, yes, yes. Oh, Mercy and I, and Ravi, and... Well, I guess this was before EBS time. Well, we go way back. Actually, I was there to witness uh, the end of the very first version of the Hounds of Mercy. Oh, uh, we don't have to talk about that. Mama Fish, where's Ravi? Oh, you didn't hear? No. Well, we heard about the rage, how there were riots in Dabathati, not much else aside from that. Well... Ravi was caught up in the middle of all of that, but it's been a couple of weeks since she's in the med ward. What? Is she okay? Y yes, yes, she's recovering, she's stable, but whatever happened to her in the mines it burned her up real bad, like she got struck by lightning multiple times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, which is odd, because, you know, in the tunnels there's no lightning, there can't be. Oh, but the rage was so weird, so maybe it was the rage, huh? I... See. Well, thank you, Mama Fish. Do you mind leading us to the med ward? Oh, of course, certainly, certainly. Here, have a fish stick. Uh, and Mama Fish pulls out some fish sticks and starts handing it to your party. Do you take a fish stick? Oh, happily. Okay. If you take a bite of Mama Fish's fish sticks, you will gain one temporary hit point. She leads your party through the encampment. She seems to know everyone here. She's like saying hello to people like, oh, yes. Oh, hi there. Oh, no, no, no. oh how's the kids? Oh, you know, and like is, is moving you through the camp. Um, and as she leads your group, Mercy turns to the three of you as you're walking and says, OK, we're going to meet Ravi. Just keep your mouths shut. All right. Let me do all the talking. The Sonax. <laughs> As uh, fine. You know what? Fine. If that helps you categorize all the various women I've met in my life, fine. I guess you could call her an ex. Is she going to try to kill you? No. I don't... No. No, she won't. Inside check. <laughs> okay, anyone who wants to can roll an inside check on that. <laughs> I think Jaron is just, like, eating the, the fish stick and it's just kind of like... Doesn't Sitlala normally do our talking for us? Well, 
Sitlali doesn't know Ravi. <clears throat> and I think Jaron and Gentle. The two of you will notice that the vibes between Sitlali and Mercy have been kind of weird for maybe the past two weeks. Have been kind of weird. Define um, weird. On Mercy's side, it will be overly brisk. Like, over, pro like, professional, right? But, like, very brusque. And, like, will only refer to Sitlali when, like, she needs help navigating or, like, needs help, like, talking to a merchant that you met or something. And, like, w you know, when you join for, like, like, Hound's dinner, Hound's family dinner, Mercy will eat very fast and leave if Sitlali's there. How is it on Sitlali's side? Just like everything on Sitlali's side, everything's fucking fine! <laughs> okay. Do you think that Jaron would be able to recognize Sitlali's reaction based off of their reaction to him? Why don't you all just tell me what you got for your insight checks, and we'll use this for, like, general insight for the rest of this scene. <laughs> Seventeen. Three. Okay, three. <laughs> Not one, baby! <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing! <laughs> we do have an auto crit on the board, and you all have at least one point of inspiration, just so you know. I'll just use my point of inspiration. I won't steal the auto crit for this. Okay. Uh, not much better. A nine. <laughs> okay. Take the auto crit. Do I know anything with that 17? <sighs> I'm sorry, Silali, did you say you take the auto crit? I'm telling Hamna to take the auto crit. <laughs> oh. Would you, okay, I don't want to steal it from people, but if you'll let me have it, I'll take it. Go ahead. This is a roleplay-heavy right. episode, so. All right. I'll take the oh. autocrit. Tell me okay. what's the vibes. Vibe check. Okay, Gentle and and Jaron both roll really high because of that. So the Jaron, you know everything. Jaron, you've been so busy traveling, I don't think you've, you've gotten a chance to read the pulse of the party until now. Right, because it's been you're getting through the god spine, getting on the road. You've you've been busy, but now looking at Sitlali, looking at Mercy, trying to suss out what's happening. Oh my god, it clicks. Oh my god, they fucked. The puzzle piece slides into place. Gentle, you don't get that, but you do get that something really intense transpired between Mercy and Sitlali, and neither of them are are talking about it. Based on how they're treating each other, it almost feels like a really big argument or something. Um, as regards uh, what instigated all of this the insight check into Mercy is she seems to be telling the truth about Ravi and it also seems like she's not quite sure where she stands with Ravi currently but it's not like Selim like kill on sight I mean Ravi's also presumably in the hospital so like theoretically how much damage could she do right <laughs> Remember that time that the first X was like a demigod? Yeah, yeah. I think with all of this percolating in your brain, Jaron, maybe you're like, oh my god. Keep <laughs> between these two. You finally reach like the, the med, med ward, which is a series of um, tents, I think, uh, a little bit separate from the main encampment uh, that smells like medicine and it smells like camphor and it smells like all of, you know, all of these various herbal remedies. And it also smells a little bit like death. People are dying here, right? This is where the sick and dying go. Uh, and Orca Lady, Mama Fish, leads you all to a specific tent where she pauses outside of it and says, uh, just one moment. And she sticks her head in and says, uh, Ravi, uh, you have visitors. Uh, oh, who? 
It's, uh... <clears throat> Don't tell her who, just say it's an old friend. Oh, okay. It's an old friend. And she's brought three other friends who are new friends. I hope we can all be friends. Okay, great. And Mama Fish pulls her head out and says, Ralphie says come in. All right. Thanks, Mama Fish. Good to see you. Good to see you as well, Mercy. It's always a pleasure to have you here in the three-headed city. Well, I better go. I think Ibia needs my help with with something. I have to I have to take care of her. I understand. Yeah, uh, go do what you have to do. All right. Toodaloo. It was nice to meet the three of you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And she kisses all three of your heads. <laughs> with a big wet Mom. orca kiss. I think Jaron, uh, before Mama Fish leaves, just says like, I need to know the recipe to those fish sticks before I leave. Oh, well, here it is. And she and she whispers it to you. <laughs> she whispers a most delicious recipe in your ear. She says, but the most important ingredient is love. <laughs> Sit lolly pretends to gag. <laughs> well, I love you too, darling. Mwah! You're so handsome. Ooh, I bet all the ladies are falling for you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Uh, and she turns and waddles away. Okay, that woman is insufferable. We ready? She's really nice, and yeah. All right, like I said, don't say anything. <clears throat> Mercy ducks her tall frame to get under the tent and strides inside, and you follow. Sit Lolly coughs and says anything. <laughs> she shoots you a glare over her shoulder but doesn't say anything to that and the three of you enter into a tent that's maybe the size of a one bedroom apartment uh, for lack of a better way of des describing space uh, and there's like a cot it's sort of like in the center of everything with like um a bunch of like like there's like a rug on the ground and there are like these like wardrobes and these like tables right uh, and you see like leaned leaned up on the cot is a woman a hobgoblin woman. She's got crutches nearby, uh, leaning like against like a nightstand. She has this golden skin crisscrossed with these like angry looking red scars, right? Um, and even though it, it appears that she's been in the med ward for a while, she's still kind of covered in soot from the mines. Uh, and she's got this like tangled black hair that's sort of cut short at the jaw. Um, and even though even just sitting in the cot, you know, she's not that tall. She looks really heavily muscled. Uh, and she's just covered in tattoos, right? Like tattoos of weapons. Like on one arm, it's like a, a like a longsword tattoo. On another, it's like a hatchet. On like you know, on her exposed like you know like uh, throat, it's uh, what's the thing that? Oh my god, Z uh, warrior princess Zeno wields like the bladed circles. She's got that tattooed around her neck, like a bladed like throne circle, like around her neck, etc. And this hobgoblin woman, you assume, is Ravi. Mercy says, Ravi. And Ravi looks up at Mercy and says, Mercy, what are you doing here? I need your help. <laughs> help. It was kind of rude for you to ask for my help without even introducing me to what I assume are your new hounds. <laughs> Jaron, Sitlali, gentle. Meet Ravi. Ravi, meet Jaron, Sitlali, gentle. Are they mice? Can't you speak? We've been asked not to. 
Of course you have. Listen, I just think it's easier if we <clears throat> can it. Uh, and Ravi, whose voice is somehow even gruffer and deeper than Mercy's, <laughs> like pushes herself up into like a more formal sit sitting position. If you're here for Oka, they're already gone. Good thing we're not here for Oka. We're here for something else. Are you now? I find that difficult to believe. What are you here for? Ravi, you're the only person I can think of who would know anything more than me about monsters. About how to hunt them, about the divine, about what's happened after the cataclysm. Go on. What do you know about Paragons? Specifically Sen's Paragon. And at that, Ravi goes really quiet. And as she goes quiet, you have a longer chance to take in her physical appearance. You notice that she's actually, a, like, a part of her face is, like, wrapped in bandages. And as she, like, pulls the covers off herself, you see, like, her legs are wrapped up. And, like, the exposed skin is also shot through with more recent scarring that looks like burn marks or something. Or, like, she's been charred. Or, like Mama Fish said, like, struck by lightning multiple times. <laughs> right? She doesn't, she looks pretty fucked up. Right? But stable and recovering, but still kind of fucked up. It's funny that you ask, Mercy. Recent events have opened my eyes to the possibility of such things. What happened to you, Ravi? Why are you burned? What happened in the mines? What happened with the rage we've been hearing about? <laughs> you wouldn't believe me even if I told you. Can they be trusted? Yes. Yes, they can. <laughs> okay then. How do I put this? Vinash was inside of me. What? What? You mean, but like, in a se not in a sexual way, Mercy. Vinash, the aspect of Unabathi that embodies destruction. Vinash, one of the three heads of the three-headed god of war and mountains. Vinash, an echo of him anyway, was inside of me. The gods, they're not gone. They're just severed, trapped in the now, echoes of themselves bleeding out. Yeah, how did you know that? Long story. What do you mean, Vinash was- How did this- Why did this- When did you- <sighs> Alright, settle in. I'm about to tell you what happened. Ravi tells her tale. And by the end of it, I think all of you are like sat around this cot, like you've pulled up chairs, you're listening, you're, you're enraptured, because it is a tale of divine wrath and apocalypse and- violence and fury and fear and desperation and the final thing ravi says before she sort of falls silent is and then oka took it oka took vinash right into their soul right into their body and for some reason they were able to contain it even though i couldn't are they are they a paragon you can roll in. Well, we can keep. I said you could keep your insight roll. So I guess I. I guess you can keep your nat twenty insight. Do I keep roll my credit? Yeah. 
with your natural 20 insight roll onto Robbie's face. Something flickers over the part that's not obscured by these bandages. And it seems to be like she, you get the feeling that she has the answer to that question, but she's not saying anything about it. Rafi, what do you know? I know that Vinash is wrong for Oka. They're able to contain him, but they're not the right vessel. It's one of the last things I remember before my whole world went black. This god's voice saying, not my paragon, but you'll do. You can have a, a bad paragon? Like a mismatched one? You could put on shoes that don't belong to you. I mean, these aren't shoes, these are souls, but I, I understand. So then, Oka is a different god's paragon. What? How? I don't know. But Jaron, you can tell she does know. She has a hunch, but she's purposefully keeping it from the three of you. Can I tell why she's hiding it from us? Or, like, any inclination as to why? Yeah, it's, uh, it's out of respect for Oka. She has a feeling it's not her story to tell. Valid. In which case, I don't think Jaron presses the issue. Okay. <laughs> this is ridiculous. We came here looking for Sen's paragon, and what do we find? Some story, some fairy tale story about Vinash and Oka, and... I'm not lying, Mercy. I'm telling the truth. This happened, and it's real. <laughs> what are we supposed to do with this information? I don't know. Do what you will. That's what you've always done, hasn't it? March to the beat of your own drum, at the expense of all else? I'm not gonna get into this with you, Ravi. You got into this with me the moment you stepped through that tent flap. Why is that one raising their hand? Ugh, they do that when they want to talk. What is it, gentle? I mean, if Oka has the potential to hold on to a bad soul, it, finding Oka may mean we might find a paragon, then? That makes sense in my head, right? Does that make sense for anyone else? Sort of look to the room for validation. Fuck, gentle, are you... <laughs> Are you suggesting that finding Oka is our best chance of finding Sun's Paragon? If we know one person who could do it. I am going to nip that shit in the bud. No. We're not going on some wild fucking goose chase looking for Oka out of the hair-brained idea that they might point us in the direction of Sen's Paragon. Why aren't you listening to your hounds, Mercy? They're making a good point. I'm not listening to them because their ideas... <laughs> because... Because I'm the leader here, okay? And what I say goes, no, we're not looking for Oka. We're gonna follow the water wherever it takes us. Mercy? What? A moment, please. <sighs> Said Lolly, whatever it is you want to talk to me about, you can say in front of everyone else, can't you? I suppose. And I'll turn to address Ravi and not Mercy. Your wounds, um, how have they been tended to? <sighs> All the clerics of Yudabathi here have lost their power. They've lost their connection to their god. So, I'm healing up the old-fashioned way. Can I tell, like, if it's within my 
wheelhouse to heal or if because it's divine it's like too much tm whoever wants to can make a medicine check to discern that that is a natural 20 so 28 gentle that's a nine of course nice uh sitlali you can tell it's 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 pretty intense. She's definitely gonna scar, but you will you will be able to expedite the healing process with your magic significantly, okay. and so will gentle. So then I'm going to put a hand on my holy symbol that is still under my like uh, dress. Okay, and just too my too lonely. Just can you not fuck up for me, please? I live to help you. Good. And I'm going to cast Cure Wounds at level three. Okay. How do you, you put your hand on your holy symbol. Do you touch Mm -hmm. Robbie? I think I will ask first. So I have my hand on my holy symbol and I just sort of, with that, can you... Don't ask a lot of questions, but can I try something? <laughs> you know, a lot of people have asked me that question, and it's not always led to the best result. What are you trying to do? Heal you up a little bit faster. You keep your magic. Like I said, no questions. <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? Go ahead. So I'll come over and I'll I'll try to find like one of a le- like a less injured area. Okay. Um, put my hand on it and then cast it. Yeah. So as this healing magic starts stitching Ravi up, why don't you roll for how much you heal? Um, you all of you see like the burns start like accelerating and healing. You know what I mean? It's almost like Sitlali is like like moving the clock forward and like helping like Ravi's natural processes speed up, right? And Ravi's like looking down in, in amazement uh, at like the wounds on her body starting to like like scab over and it definitely still scars by the by the end of it. But she doesn't look like nearly as bad as she did when, when you first walked in. <sighs> I can't believe this. Well, you said no questions. Thank you. You're welcome. Raven Queen Bless. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I thought all the clerics of Dabathati were out of juice. <laughs> it's just those chrysalis nutjobs. I'll eat my own hand before I let one of those freaks patch me up. What's their deal? <sighs> They're a bunch of cultists, if you ask me. They worship this entity known as the Chrysalis. You've probably seen them on your way in. Green-robed freaks preaching on their soapboxes. They claim that the gods leaving is a good thing, that the Cataclysm is a blessing, and that those that worship the Chrysalis, their holy non-god, will be able to achieve the perfect body they've always wanted. I see. Did you say that they retain their magic? Yes, that's the worst part about all of it. I don't know through whatever dark pact they forge or whatever trickery they're employing to keep it, but the priests and priestesses and clerics of the Chrysalis have kept their magic. I think Jaron just kind of looks, not pointedly, but just kind of looks at Sitlali 
questioningly, wondering if maybe she has done the same thing that the chrysalis, that the people who work or are part of the chrysalis have done. Anyway, thank you for showing off the fact that you still have magic, Sith Lolly. The point stands. We're following the water, not Oka. Have you considered, Mercy, that the water might be following Oka? <laughs> That's a ridiculous notion, said Lolly, and you'd do well to put that notion to bed. When's the last time you did the water ritual? <clears throat> probably, I don't know, ten days ago? You There's should a probably supply. do that more often. Didn't it lead us here? It did? Where Oka was? <laughs> I see what you're getting at, Sitlali, and it's not going to work. I refuse to believe. Why do you refuse to believe? Mercy. That looking for Oka might be a good idea. Hmm? Because they left. Okay? They left the hounds, they're not coming back, and I think that if we keep up this ghost hunt, it's bad for morale, it's bad for our mission, it's bad for everything that the hounds care about. Really? Is that what you think? Well, you know what, Mercy, since you're here... Uh, and Ravi sort of like pulls herself up like a bit fuller as she's looking between Mercy and you, Sitlali. And you get the sense that as she's like looking between the two of you, that she's sort of reading some of the things that Jaron has already picked up on, right? Um, Ravi sort of like pushing herself up uh, and Mercy crosses her arms defensively as Ravi says, <laughs> you know what? I found Oka bleeding out in a hole in the Badlands and I took them in and I taught them how to turn pain into power. Some people never know how to stop bleeding so I don't try to suture that wound, Mercy. I honor it. I fed them. I gave them a job. I raised them. And when they wanted to seek their own destiny, where did I send them? You. I trusted you, Mercy. I... You think you're so fucking perfect. I trusted you to take care of them, to listen, to do the goddamn work. But you fucked it all up. You undid everything. You say you collect broken things, broken people, Mercy. And at that, she jerks her head towards Sitlali specifically. No. You collect fragile objects, and then you smash them, so they'll never leave. But they left. Mercy. Oka left. And if they know what's good for them, they'll never come back. I think Jaron stands up and, like, kind of, like, angrily is looking at Ravi. Back off. For once, I actually agree with Mercy here. Oka did leave. And they didn't just leave Mercy. They left all of us without so much as a word. So I really, really don't think that you understand the full situation here. <laughs> I don't understand the full situation, Dragon Boy. I don't. I stand up as well, and I... But... I... <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I tend to be the, the, the Oka defender in the room, 
but maybe there's more to the story that we don't know necessarily. And I'm looking down uh, a lot to not make eye contact with anyone, but especially Jaron. But I think maybe we should just test it. And if it's pointing a different direction, then maybe fine. We can all agree that we'll move past it for now. But if it's still pointing in the direction that Milka went, maybe there's a reason. And maybe that reason is closure or friendship or something. But maybe what we're doing is important for a reason. Sorry. And I sit back down. Mercy stands there, like, looking at Ravi, who this entire time, like, their eyes are just locked on each other, right? And they're just, like, staring each other down. And without a word... Mercy reaches into her pack, like pulls out the vial of Unmei's water and hands it to you, gentle. And then she turns around and she leaves. I follow. Is there okay. like a way to do this? Uh, gentle, you've, you've, seen, you've seen Mercy do it like multiple okay. times. So like, I think you can probably learn how to do the special yep. magic water thing. As long as it's, okay, that's fine. I was just worried it was something that only Mercy could do. <laughs> No, 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 no. I think, I think you'll be able to do it, yeah. Okay. Sidlali, you follow Mercy out. Gentle, I assume you stay in here with Ravi to do the water thing. What about you, Jaron? Jaron is very curious about the idea of Sen's paragon being Oka, and I think they will stay to see the outcome of the ritual and are hoping to all of the eight that please, please, please do not... Do not be in the same direction, please. <laughs> okay, let's resolve that first. So, gentle, you you like pull out the vial, you uncork it, you like drop the water onto like a flat surface, and like you and Adron and Ravi, she's there, she like watches as well. Uh, look as this water begins to vibrate, right? And as it starts to form a direction, Ravi says, "Last I heard, they were going in the direction of the court." And the water swivels and points northwest toward the court. For fuck's sake. Oh. We, we cut outside uh, to, Sil to Silali and Mercy. Mercy's just sort of stood, stood outside. She's smoking. She's smoking a cigarette uh, outside of Ravi's tent. And she's just wordlessly smoking it. Can I bomb one? Hmm. And Mercy just hands you hands you another cigarette. Got a light or Mercy turns around, looks down at you as you're like holding the cigarette out. Hmm. Uh and she she leans down and she lights your end of the cigarette with hers. Mm-hmm. And I I think we smoke in silence for a hot second. And then are you okay? I've known Ravi since we were 13. She really knows how to just say the things that get to you. Is that where you get it? <laughs> yeah, maybe. We've known each other for a long time, Sitlali. Longer than I think is healthy. Yeah, I get that. She can be such a dick, though. I don't think that's where you got that, though. <laughs> no, I didn't get my dicks from Ravi. Not what I meant, and you know it, but, um... <laughs> yeah, what would you know about that? 
I take a very long drag of my cigarette. <sighs> Fuck. I don't know. Maybe she's right. Maybe that is what I do. Collect fragile objects and break them. So they'll depend on me. I think... Fuck. Fuck it. Sitlali is gonna push Mercy up against the wall. I might be a little fragile, but you will never break me. Do you understand? Mercy looks down at you and she smirks and says, <laughs> Well, I'll have a lot of fun trying. Listen, about two weeks ago, I shouldn't have. It was... It was inappropriate. Yes, that was the point. <laughs> it shouldn't ever happen again. Uh, and as she speaks, she is uh, pulling, pulling you in. Never again. Never is such a strong word, Mercy. I, and I am allowing myself to be pulled back in. Mercy is going to pull you in on that, and then she's going to sort of spin you around. And I don't think it's a wall. I think it's like a pole, right? Because I don't think there are any walls in this encampment. It's a pole nearby. She spins you around um, and kind of pins you against the pole, right? Uh, but so that you're like, your chest is against it. Uh, and so you're facing away from her. Uh, and she just sort of leans in and mutters a, a, a time in your ear. She just says, nine o'clock. And she let mine. And she 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 lets go of you. And she strides back into the med tent. That Lolly's gonna hang back and finish their cigarette. Alright. Where's the water? Huh, that's an interesting direction. Yeah, it's where Oka is right now. <laughs> Great fucking eight. Is this your idea? Of a joke, Yudabathi? Is this your idea of some sort of divine jest you're, you're laying upon me? You know what? Fine. Fine. What is it, gentle? Maybe it's a sign saying you shouldn't give up on your friends. I look oh. very satisfied as I say that. Oh my god. <laughs> Do you have your mask on, gentle, when you say that? I think I will make sure that I'm just <laughs> enough of the smiles pointing through. Fine. The court. I guess that's next on our destination list. Ravi, a pleasure as always to see you. <clears throat> a pleasure as always to see you as well, Mercy. I hope you take my words personally. Ah, uh, how could I not? <clears throat> and just as a reminder, some people really are too young for you. I don't know what you're talking about. Drawn, gentle, let's try to find a place to shack up for the night. Yeah, I'll catch up with you. All right. Ravi, I hope you recover without too many scars making you butt ugly. Bye. And Mercy is going to turn and leave. Ravi's just going to mutter under her breath. <sighs> uh, and And... I mean, stay stay in her bed because she can't go anywhere else. Uh, so Mercy's going to re-exit. Jaron, you're going to stay behind. What about you, Gentle? 
uh, uh, I don't know where I belong right now. I th- I think that last line was enough for the math to start mathing in their head all the way through. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I think oh that was enough. That was the final like piece of like, hmm, like like the slots is like seven seven seven. Like oh oh no, uh, I think I'll just go hang out with Durant. <laughs> I'm lost. That's a good move to do when I'm lost. I've probably done that a million times. Okay, so Durant, was there something you wanted to ask Robbie in particular, or were you just okay? Yeah, so go. You can you can do that now if you want. Yeah, I think as. Uh presumably like Sitlali and Mercy have left to do whatever it is that they do. Uh, Jaron is going to sort of like maybe pull up like a chair next to Ravi and sit down in it. Ravi, you clearly knew, clearly know Oka very well. I don't know if they've mentioned me at all, but I thought, I thought I knew them well too. I just, I have to ask, how are they? A pause. And Ravi says, All things considered, they're okay. They have new friends now. Friends I think that they care about. Friends who care about them. Did they ever talk about us? Any of us? They visited me here before they left. We talked about a lot of things. They talked about you. What about me? I don't think I'm at liberty to say, Jaron, but what I can say is this. They haven't forgotten you. They're doing this thing. They're traveling because they have to. They've got it in their head that they can save the world. And I think, deep down... They think that means they can save themselves. Of course, Oka thinks that they can save the world. Honestly, out of everyone I know, maybe... Maybe Oka's the only one who can. But... They haven't contacted any of us. They haven't contacted me since they left, and... It's just... I don't understand... Why this journey that they're on, this... This whole thing, why? I just, I don't get it. <laughs> Listen, my friend, I don't get it either. But I have a feeling that they think this is their destiny. Or that the threads of fate are just weaving the world in such a way that for now, the two of you have to be apart. But that's the middle of the story, Jaron. It's not the ending. Destiny might keep us apart, but it doesn't doesn't make these choices for you. Exactly. There are some people in our lives who come into our world for a little bit, they light it up, they leave, and they never come back. There are some people who stay with you forever. There are some people who stay with you until the end. Some people who you don't meet until the end. I think it's up to you and fate and Oka to decide what that's going to look like for the two of you. It would be a lot easier making that decision if they were around here to make it. <laughs> yeah, it would be. 
Well, I guess... If they're okay, I guess that's good, I think. I'm glad that at least they had you. <sighs> they're outgrowing me, what can I say? I was able to give them uh, one of these. This one, actually. And she raises her hand and indicates the longsword tattooed to her left forearm. Do you do that? Give people tattoos? Special tattoos for special people. Stand back. And they do. You too. <clears throat> uh, and the two of you feel the weave tighten around Ravi and then bing! like strings being plucked as surging out of the tattoo is a long sword that just sort of like like rips out of her uh, arm rising up with her blood and then it solidifies in this like this black blade right like the tattoo comes to life and she like sort of flexes her arm and like turns it side to side and then lets go of the magic and like the the weave which was sort of pulled tight sort of slackens and as like this like blood sinks back into her body each of these tattoos on my body are blood weapons. I can conjure at will. It, can you make that for other people? Yes, but you have to be trained in blood hunting. If I just tattooed it onto you, I would corrode your blood. That is definitely something. I suppose maybe one day I'll have to get Oka to teach me how to do that. If I don't kill them first. <laughs> If and when you catch up to them, hey, tell them Ravi sends her love. I will. Again, though, if I don't kill them first. <laughs> I won't let you kill them. Gentle, you can let me have this one thing, can't you? I, you I, like, fight a little, but not kill. Just a little fighting. What's the point of the fight if there's no risk? Oh, you've been listening to Mercy too much. She's right sometimes. <sighs> Not as much as you all think. Gentle just looks tired. <laughs> the two of you look exhausted. You should probably go check into the Harpy Hostel. Good rates. Good beds. Thank you. For everything. Thank you for coming here. It's good to talk to people about this stuff, I think. People that I know I can trust. As much as I have issues with Mercy... If she trusts someone, I know I can trust them, too. I like that. Yeah, we go way back. Yeah, that much is apparent. But if you ever need anything, I mean, presumably you know how to contact Mercy, so yeah. let us know. Will do. And hey, she's a... <clears throat> uh, and Ravi gestures toward her abdomen. Ticklish right here. Oh my god, really? Just so you know. Okay, okay. Anywhere else? Um, I'm not gonna tell you that. That's fine. That's yep. enough information. Okay. Thanks, Robbie. Yep, yep. <clears throat> Have a good night, the two of you. Welcome to Dabathati. And I think we, we leave. Okay. Absolutely. I think you do. And I think as you exit, you see that pole uh, that not a few minutes ago Mercy had pinned Sitlali against. And I think there's a note if it's okay with you, Sitlali, on the poll, uh, that basically has information, like, in Mercy's handwriting, that basically says, like, Sitlali and I are checking in early at, like, 
like the harpy hotel like the harpy hostel right like meet us there we're gonna just like get drinks or something we're gonna like dick around abathati before then right um i think that's the note uh and i think i think we can cut to like a shitty seedy dive bar somewhere in Dabathati Suraksha district, right? And it's just like it like smells like there's like like hookah smoke in the air. Like there's like all sorts of like drinks getting slung around. It's like a darkened tavern. There's like all sorts of like colorful figures and characters in this in this bar. And we find Sitlali and Mercy, right? Uh, Sitlali, tell me, do you have a corner booth or are you at the bar? Corner booth. Okay, you're what do hold I look up like together. To yep, in a corner booth, and uh, Mercy is drinking a big frothy mug of scorpion beer. I think Sitlali. Oh, what drink does Sitlali have? Whatever is the closest to gin, I think it's gin. Oh, just straight gin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I think it's gin then. Yeah. You just you've got a glass of just straight gin. Uh, and Mercy's got, well, Gaijin, let's say. Uh, and Mercy's got the scorpion beer. Uh, and she's, she's laughing, I think, and, like, talking to you about stuff, right? And, like, cracking jokes and, like, swigging at her beer. And, like, as the night goes on, she, like, inches closer and closer to you, I think. And, like, the two of you are just talking. And I think, <laughs> I think, like, uh, during the scene, Mercy just says, <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll be right back. And she gets up to like use the bathroom or something, uh, leaving mm-hmm. you. I think you have a moment alone, uh, mm. and you're in the, tucked away in this corner booth, watching everything. But you're alone. Like no one else disturbs you. No one else looks at you. You've just sort of like disappeared into the crowd here. You've, you have a moment by yourself. I take a big swig of gin and let that bite sink in. And then I think that little part of myself that's not quite myself. So how do you feel about that happening? (sighs) Temptations of the flesh are temporary. My love for you I have two hands. And I have four. All of which I use to caress you. I think Sitlali's a little... (laughs) I think Sitlali's a little, little drunk. Not super, but, like, tipsy, you know. Um, And I think they've been thinking about this a lot. So I think they just kind of... They get kind of serious for a minute. They just say, hey, lonely. Yes. Would you tell me if I was the paragon of the Raven Queen? Why do you ask? Because they're clearly real and things are happening and I took you in and I've had a natural affiliation for this sort of thing and the 
divinity my entire life, and everyone always said that would be my... It makes sense, doesn't it? You are special, Sintalali. My bond with you and your ability to have this bond with me makes you special. Is that a yes? It is not a no. Can you feel her? Or will we have to be closer to the courts for that? Closer to the courts. Closer to the seat of her power. So that I might have some more. And you might find out your true destiny. Destiny. I do like the sound of that. Hmm. Do you trust me? Yes. I trust you, too. I should hope so. I let you into my fucking body. Be careful what you let inside your body, Sitlali. Not everyone has intentions as pure as mine for you. What, do you think we couldn't handle her if we needed to? The Raven Queen knows who I am. She knows what I am. I am one of her children. She loves me. She loves you too, Sidlali. Unconditionally. Can you say that for the rest of them? Suppose not. What are you suggesting we stay with the courts when we get there? If we get there. I suggest you go where destiny calls. You do not owe these people, these mortals, these regular folk, anything. You are destined for greatness, Sitalali, so long as you stay with me in your soul. These people, they will never understand you like I understand you. Your bonds with life are fleeting. Death conquers all. That is true. But, I mean, that doesn't mean we can while we're alive, does it? Have your fun while you're here, but do not lose sight of your destiny, and do not let them pull you from what is yours. Of course. Can we keep Mercy? As a pet? Or as something more? Either. I don't know that I'm picky. Your wish is my command. 
And I think they take a very self-satisfied sip of gin. And I think Mercy returns with a tray of shots <laughs> for the two of you. Uh, and the, I think the shots are special. They're like dyed black, right? With like little um, uh, like pink like floating ice cubes in it. Uh, and she says, <laughs> look, look what they add. I asked for them to put some dye in this because it's like your eyes. Adorable. Here. I'll take one. And I'll raise it. She raises it too. To us? <laughs> Fuck it. To us. And to mm. what's going to happen later tonight. And she clinks uh, the shot glass against yours and downs it. You're quite prepared for what's going to happen tonight. And down, I down mine. Oh, aren't I? Please enlighten me. And I look around conspiratorially. And I just kind of lean in. Have you considered that I might be a paragon of the Raven Queen? <clears throat> she coughs on her shot. Sithali, <clears throat> don't be... That's a funny joke. You're, you're joking, right? No. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what makes paragons paragons. I don't know. I, maybe it's the drink talking. Maybe it's just the fact that we're in fucking Dabathati and I saw Robbie for the first time in years or whatever it is. But you know what? Fuck it. Maybe you are. Maybe you are the paragon of the Raven Queen. Who knows? I mean, you're able to use your magic, aren't you? Yeah. How many people can say that after the Cataclysm? That's true. <laughs> you know what they say about people with a lot of power and a lot of strength, though, right? Paragons included. What they really want is for someone to take control for them. Suppose that could be a nice precursor. Uh, and she shoves another drink in your hand. Uh, if you'll take it. Not gonna force you to drink, obviously. I do. <laughs> okay. Uh, she picks up a shot glass, downs it again, and I think we're gonna pull out of like this of this corner booth of the two of you f f flirting horribly uh, with each other, like just truly chaotic uh, flirting with each other, pulling out of like this like venue of all these people like drinking and making merry in the apocalypse because goddamn it, when's a better time to drink than when the world has ended? Right, we're gonna pull out of this like shitty dive bar, right? Pull out onto the street where I think maybe we see like Jaron and Gentle walking next to each other, headed toward the Harpy Hotel, like oblivious to what's happening in the bar they're passing, right? Like to check into this hostel. We're gonna pull out of Dabathati where we see all these people, the three districts, Thristi, Saraksha, Vinash, right? Like all lined up against each other. Pull out of where we see the mines in the back with Mama Fish tending to Ravi's wounds. We're gonna pull out of this and slowly fade out on episode three of The Hounds of Mercy. <laughs> Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com.
Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Alex, Azara, Bradley, Brookbright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Later, Marvelous, Purple Mouse, Scruffisus, and Target.